The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, you know, having the CGM and, and seeing not even how just food and, you know, your workouts affect it, but how, you know, your mental state affects it. There are so many factors and it's just fascinating how the body can react to those things. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? And welcome back to another episode of the Insulone Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for checking in. Whatever you're doing, if it's the start of your day, if it's the end of your day and you're just relaxing, I hope you're ready for a good episode because this is one that I really enjoyed. And I know, like all of the guests that we have, you're going to get a lot out of this one. So the guest that I have is Vanessa Messenger. She's from Detroit in the USA. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 23. So me and her, similar enough age when we were diagnosed, so we talk about that briefly. She is the mother of one child at the moment, but she's pregnant with her second child, as she refers to throughout the episode. So she offers a lot of valuable insight in terms of almost what to expect as a type 1 diabetic before, during, and after pregnancy, which is always nice to hear. She's a product lead at Google. She has a background in psychology and broadcast communications, and she's on with me today specifically to talk about her diabetic children's book that she's created, which is called Teddy Talks, A Positive Story about type 1 diabetes. And I love that name because it's basically based on her real life dog called Teddy and his human type 1 diabetic called Emily. So the pawn positive is a, is, is a nice choice of words and I always love puns. The book itself has already received a Mom's Choice Gold Award and it's a really, really nice, simple, reassuring story and book for any diabetic out there, but particularly any parents of type 1 diabetic children or the children themselves. Anyway, I won't go on too much. I'll let Vanessa talk about it herself. Enjoy the chat. 
So, Vanessa, obviously, before we get stuck into talking about the book, Teddy Talks, I'd love to know a bit more about your own diabetes journey and what kind of led you to creating this book. And I know that people obviously react very differently to their diabetes diagnosis. And we were similar enough age. You were 23. I was 19. So what was that initial shock of diagnosis like for you? You know, I was so fortunate with my diagnosis and, and doctors really kind of reinforce that all the time because I was diagnosed during my honeymoon period and there was no really sort of like traumatic event that led to the diagnosis. I just felt so tired, so sluggish, so thirsty all the time. And, um, you know, I really have to credit my mom as moms do. She was like, you need to go see a doctor. I didn't even know what an endocrinologist was. She made the appointment, even though, you know, at that, at that age, I'm 23 years old, um, but leave it to moms. And I went into the doctor and she was kind of puzzled too. She was like, you know, the symptoms that you're telling me, it lines up with diabetes, but just the, the, the patterns of, of your health, it, it, it wouldn't seem like those are typical indicators of it. Um, she reluctantly was like, let's just do the antibody test and see what comes out. And so I was, I was pretty surprised. I remember getting a phone call at nine o'clock at night from the doctor saying, Hey, yeah, the, the test came back positive for antibodies and that it definitely is type one diabetes. So from there, it was really like a lot of YouTube videos and going down, uh, holes of the internet to try to understand what is this, what does this mean? And, you know, I think that a lot of people can probably relate where at first it seems super isolating and overwhelming. And there are so many kind of scare tactics almost that you could fall into. And it, it made me almost want to shy away from the diagnosis, almost a sense of denial at first because I was so scared and overwhelmed. But I think really finding a, a positive community online seeing people that are thriving with diabetes, it allowed me to be more confident with my management over time. And now I feel like I'm in a place with, of course, like the help of Dexcom and all these amazing advancements that have been made in the community um, where I'm leaning into it and I have a positive outlook. And that's really what I want to share with people and, and hopefully give families something to anchor on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's obviously the aim or one of the main aims of the book that we'll get into but what jumped out at me there was when you said you, you went onto YouTube to look at different videos around diabetes. And we can so often go down those rabbit holes of different facts of things that might be true and things that might not be true. But as you were doing your own research, getting diagnosed, was there anything that jumped out at you to kind of shock you more or make you more concerned? Or was it more reassuring? You know, at first it was it was concerning to see the worst case scenarios or, or rather, I guess, to hear about the worst case scenarios um, and, you know, the, the frustration of how do I navigate this? I remember the first time I had to take my own, uh, you know, glucose by pricking my finger and I was just sitting on my couch surrounded by test strips because I just got messing it up. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not getting this. I don't understand. It was so frustrating. And so, um, you know, one of the things that really gave me encouragement actually was 
seeing who, who else lives with type 1 diabetes and being able to see some of these amazing, you know, musicians, influencers, athletes that are, are thriving and, and living healthy, positive lifestyles. That was really one of the turning points, I think, that allowed me to say, okay, people do this every day. And if in some ways it, it, it it causes you to lead a more healthy lifestyle and, you know, could, could maybe be a, a blessing in disguise. That's obviously something that I have noticed and almost gained from my own experience with it is having this condition. It's more of an incentive for you to be healthy because right. it's, it's almost more important because if we don't make those decisions around food and exercise and stress management and sleep, we almost immediately feel the impacts of it. Yeah, exactly. Coming from a time, obviously I was 19 and almost like at the height of my my socializing at that age, <laughs> how did you navigate managing this new diagnosis around your social life? Because that's often something that I'm asked and yeah. a theme or, or an activity that's kind of troubles people is going out to parties or or bars or clubs or whatever it might be or even just however you socialize but how did you go about that yeah you know it's the same for me I, I I moved to uh Chicago around the time that I was diagnosed and um and then after that I shortly moved to Los Angeles and so it was a lot of that like meeting new friends and going out and socializing and um it was before I had the Dexcom too. And so Dexcom was truly a, a milestone in my, in my management of, of type one diabetes. And before that, I feel like I was almost just flying blind to be honest with you. So I was, you know, cognizant of, of asking the doctors, Hey, if I'm having a drink, like what kind of drink should I be having? What should I be doing before I go to bed and, and all that kind of management. But to be honest with you, until you have the Dexcom and you can see your, your glucose trends, you're almost like, how did I live without this? It's just crazy to think about a whole other, other time before having a CGM. How long was it until you had got a CGM? I was really resistant to it. And I hate to say that because I was so, I guess, you know, we, we talked about being first diagnosed and kind of, you know, scared and nervous. I didn't want to wear anything that was a constant reminder of this mm -hmm. condition. And it wasn't until I met my husband and he, uh, he was so sweet and so encouraging. He was like, this is so beautiful if you were to wear this CGM because it's a reminder that you're putting your health first and that we're in this together. And so he was the one I have to give him the credit that really encouraged me to, uh, you know, get the Dexcom and, and wear it. And that was about, I want to say, four or five years ago. Hats off to your husband. That's very reassuring yeah. to, for, yeah. for it to come from him. What I'm always curious about, and, and even from myself, I went, I think it was about nine years I was finger pricking before yeah. I got a CGM. And I'm sure as we both know, Vanessa, like you kind of touched on ignorance is bliss to a certain extent when you're pricking <laughs> exactly. the finger because you only see your blood sugar at that specific moment in time. So what was the adjustment like to now having your blood sugar in front of you as often as you would like? 
Yeah, that's so true. It's almost like, you know, when somebody takes a picture and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's a good picture. And then you're like, oh, wait, um, <laughs> that's not, that's just like a small snapshot in time that it's no reflection on the actual like trends or what it's been. So it was a huge, uh, you know, eye opener for me, uh, for sure. And you know, my A1C has always been, you know, pr pretty good. Like yourself, you know, I've always worked out, eaten fairly healthy, although I come from a, a big Italian family. We certainly love to eat. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, having the CGM and, and seeing not even how just food and, you know, your workouts affect it, but how your emotional state, how, you know, your mental state affects it. There are so many factors and it's just fascinating how the body can, can react to those things. As good as CGMs are, and I absolutely love mine and I'm incredibly grateful to have one. Do you feel that you became almost more emotionally invested in your diabetes when you could see more of it more frequently with the CGM compared to just the snapshot of your bloods? A hundred percent. I think, you know, like you said, ignorance was bliss. And so it was not something that was at the forefront of my mind. But now when you have something that is, you know, literally an alarm going off telling you, hey, we need to check your blood sugar. Things are going up. Things are going down. It, it completely reframes the whole situation for you. So um, what has been, uh, you know, really at the front of things is I am eight months pregnant. I'm, I'm due literally any day now. And it's amazing to see the effects of pregnancy hormones on my blood sugar and just how that has been like almost being diagnosed all over again, because you think that you have a routine with your dosage and, uh, you, you know, basically your whole daily routine is flipped upside down because the first trimester you tend to get a lot of low blood sugars, at least I did. And it sounds like in talking to my doctors, this is pretty common for other uh, pregnant T1s, but you get a lot of lows in the first trimester. And then the second trimester, your needs for insulin increase substantially. So I was blown away by how much more insulin I was needing my second trimester. Now coming to uh, the home stretch here in the third trimester, things start to normalize a bit, but it's still nowhere near how I was pre-pregnancy. So that's been really interesting too. And I, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, people that, for example, have gestational diabetes and maybe don't have a CGM or even these people that don't have access to CGMs. I, I just like hats off to them because it's so difficult to be able to manage it w without having that sort of data and insight. Yeah. And I even think just we often take for granted the intricacies and the complexities of how our body reacts to certain things, i.e. when you're pregnant, your hormones are so different to when you're not pregnant. And obviously these will have, as you say, a substantial effect on your blood sugar themselves. Yeah. Did you notice, Vanessa, any difference between your first child and now this one coming? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So um, I created a birth plan with which for people who don't know, it's it's essentially something that you give your doctors during, you know, labor and delivery that outlines what you would love to happen, ideally. And on there, I kind of uh, listed how much Lantus I take, how much Humalog I take, 
and I was preparing my birth plan for my second child. And I noticed that my insulin was, I required more insulin for this baby versus the, my first daughter. Um, so it was kind of interesting and cool and, you know, odd, I guess, to see how things change. And it makes you think, oh, geez, am I going to be like resistant to insulin because I'm needing more? And that's something that I had to talk with my doctors about too. And uh, what I'm told is that it tends to normalize postpartum, but um, it, it is a little kind of shocking when you see the difference. How would you have thought being able to do this without a CGM? Oh my gosh, I don't, I, I feel like it would have been so hard. I, I feel like, um, you know, when you are responsible for carrying another life, you are so worried about everything that you put in your body. You just want to make sure that you're just doing everything perfectly. So this has offered me such peace of mind, almost like having a GPS of, of you know, kind of outlining this is where you need to go uh, instead of just flying blind. If I didn't have the CGM, I would just be constantly pricking my finger all day, I would imagine. Mm. But as we say, they're certainly a lifesaver to say the least. Yeah. Vanessa, you obviously have your hands full with your daughter who was 15 months. You were about to have another child. You have <laughs> obviously a big job with Google. You have a background in psychology, broadcast communications. Where did you find the time to create a book for type 1 diabetes? <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. Um, I had my daughter in the height of the pandemic uh, the first time and, you know, wouldn't have expected that we would be pretty much in the same situation for, for baby number two. But I've always wanted to write a children's book. I've always been so inspired by storytelling. And um, I was on maternity leave in the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, there's no other time than now to fulfill this dream. And, and what better opportunity to talk about, you know, my experience and, and hopefully be a, a positive source for families uh, who are, you know, dealing with a recent diagnosis, or maybe even families that aren't themselves dealing with the diagnosis, but know a classmate or a friend or a loved one with type 1 diabetes. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said to you be, before we pressed record today, I was reading through the book and even though it's a children's book, I was personally inspired by it. And it's oh. an uplifting sort of story to hear and to see. And they have beautiful images, as I told you. Thank you. For anyone listening, it's called Teddy Talks, a positive story about type 1 diabetes. Love the name because I love puns. <laughs> Do you want to give us just a short summary of the story of the book, Vanessa? Yeah, so uh, Teddy is actually based off of my uh, dog, Teddy. He's a little Pomeranian. And the story outlines him and his human, Emily, who Emily has type 1 diabetes and uses a CGM. So it's really exciting to be able to put out a type 1 diabetes book with a main character who wears a CGM. And it, it, Teddy, it's, it's all from Teddy's point of view. So it talks about even though Teddy's not a certified diabetic alert dog, he really, um, you know, is invested in Emily's management of her type 1 diabetes. So it, 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 it kind of walks through 
the positive, healthy lifestyle uh, choices that they make in order to fuel their fun adventures together. And what I really love about it too is I wanted to include a glossary of common terms in the beginning of the book. So for kids that um, are hearing the word insulin or they're hearing you know, type one diabetes, what is type one diabetes? And I, I felt like when I was diagnosed, it was almost hard for me to explain it to adults, let alone thinking about how I might explain it to a child. And it's so ironic that, you know, it's such a complicated condition to explain, yet kids are the ones that are most commonly diagnosed with it. So I was really hoping to create something that was optimistic and, you know, easy for kids to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what it is. And you yourself obviously didn't have diabetes as a child, obviously like me, and yeah. we kind of skipped those experiences or, or didn't have it at that stage. So what inspired you to create the book specifically for children? Was it because you could empathize with how difficult it is? Yeah, you know, I just, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this when you're newly diagnosed and there's so much information and it's so overwhelming. Um, I remember, you know, friends, if I would have a low blood sugar, they would be like, okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to get you some insulin? And so, you know, there's just so much misinformation. It's, it's a lot to comprehend. And I thought, okay, well, if it's hard for adults to really be able to connect and, and, and retain this information. How can I ever think to explain this to my, my kids? Um, so when I was pregnant with my daughter, I really thought I, I want something for her that she can, you know, refer to and for this to be a vehicle to have those challenging conversations in a way that they can, you know, truly grasp. So I gather, and even from what I thought, the main message of the book is obviously a positive one, as you say, yeah. and to help normalize the daily actions and responsibilities that we all have. And as again, you said, to educate in the most simplistic way possible. But what jumped out for me as well was there's subtle messages about looking after yourself. Mm -hmm. And there were two quotes near enough to the end of it where Teddy says about Emily, in a lot of ways, I think Emily is even, even healthier than most humans because she makes good choices around eating well and being active every day. So do you think, Vanessa, you are a healthier person now or live a healthier lifestyle because of your diabetes? A hundred percent. And, you know, it might be skewed because when we're, you know, in our early 20s or we're, you know, uh, about to enter our, our 20s, you, we probably aren't making the healthiest choices no. <laughs> as we might, as we get older and, and learn more. But I personally do think that having type one diabetes has reframed the importance of, you know, putting good, clean, healthy food in my body, investing in my body, making the time to work out every single day, um, which I know is going to be increasingly hard with, with having two babies under two, but making that a priority and investing in myself so I can be a better person for not just myself, but my family, my responsibilities. And it's a lesson that I, I, I really think is a, a silver lining with the diagnosis. It's something that I always think about too, and it's come up a few times on this podcast about how Obviously, when we're diagnosed, 
the initial changes or adjustments to our life will always be, will always seem to be quite negative. We take insulin, we have to check our blood sugar. We might not sleep as well. We might stress more. (laughs) But when you dig that bit deeper, you can discover how these things can almost be flipped around into being a positive, being more healthy, the incentive to be more active, all these kind of things. So is there a certain mood or emotion that you would hope a parent or a child will feel after reading this book or when they close the book? What do you hope they feel? I just really hope that families reading this who are dealing with the diagnosis feel a sense of inspiration that, you know, you can thrive and lead a a healthy, happy lifestyle with type 1 diabetes. And for those that, you know, aren't dealing with the diagnosis firsthand, I hope that it brings a sense of empathy to just understand, you know, what somebody who has type 1 diabetes might be going through. You know, for the most part, it is an invisible disease. But when you hear that Dexcom alarm going off or when you see that insulin pump, um, they'll just have more of an education and awareness around it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I love in the book is Teddy talks about how they like to show off their monitor to other tiny humans in the neighborhood and how they think it's so cool. And I really want kids to feel empowered by that. If they have a CGM or if they have an insulin pump, you know, they're special and it's, uh, you know, something that makes them healthier and and helps them lead a, a, a better lifestyle. That was part one of my chat with Vanessa. If you are listening to this episode on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. Otherwise, it's going to be the next episode on our list. So it should play right through as part two. So you don't need to do anything. Relax and enjoy part two. Thanks for listening to part one. Chat to you soon.